Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. Okay, can you thank Steve again? He is, he's doing great. Before we get going today, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5, but I want to introduce you all to, uh, to two gentlemen that uh, you should know. Um, it is, they're taking the stage here right behind me. Uh, this, is, this is Pastor Keith Dyke. You all know him, right? And right beside him is, is Pastor Chris Dupre. Um, you guys know him? It seems like they know Keith better, all right? But uh, you'll get to know Chris as well. I want to share um, about uh, these two men. Uh, I'm going to go with, with Keith first, all right? Keith was my uh, youth pastor way back in the day um, when we were uh, young, full heads of hair, sleek, slender, you know, and uh, uh, full of life. Uh, but Keith was my youth pastor, uh, made a massive uh, impact in my life. And then uh, in the early days of Providence, Keith came and he served here as an, uh, on our elder team. And he's always been a, uh, a father in this house, yeah. hasn't he? Um, no matter what title or position you put on Keith or put Keith in, he's always going to just pastor people. You cannot stop the man. He's like a shepherd prophet. He's going to tell you what God feels about you, and he's going to love on you while he does in his flannels, usually. All right? He's like uh, the, uh, the pastor lumberjack, and I love it. Uh, but he carries the strength that, uh, that this house needs. And we have uh, brought him on the elder team again uh, to serve in that capacity. And I wanted, I wanted to tell you all that. And uh, really, nothing is really changing because he's been doing that. But we just officially want to say, Keith, we see you as a father here. And we're thankful for you. And we're blessed by you. And you simply let us love Jesus more. All right? Um, Chris Dupre, um, many of you um, have heard him preach. He's been preaching um, semi-often here lately. Um, but in around July, he came. And we just brought him on um, as, a, as help for six months to come and kind of contract with us and help us out going through hard seasons, navigating. Um, he carries a whole lot of wisdom. He carries the Father's heart as, as well, so beautifully. And we brought him on just for six months and say, hey, Chris, help us get through the season. But as we've done life with Chris through that six months, we're like, man, this is really working. This is, uh, Chris, is Chris really fits here. Like we, we actually even like him a whole lot. Um, and, uh, and I don't know how, but somehow in the, in the miracle grace of God, Chris liked us too. Um, and uh, Chris was like, yeah, like this is working for me as well. And, and, uh, and, and so what we decided to do is we just decided to bring him on pastoral staff. And now he's, a, he's officially a pastor here at Providence. All right. <clears throat> what, what is happening among us, though, is, is one of the things that is, uh, is absolutely, I think, breathtaking in the kingdom is, number one, both of these guys could be the lead pastor here. Um, both of them could. We've got an elder board. I see Pastor John Elias back here. He's been a lead pastor before. He could be the lead pastor here. There's all kinds of people that could. But what these men possess uh, and, and the, the, what the leadership possesses at Providence in incre- an increasing measure in these days, these men and women, is they pr- uh, possess humility. And that's what we're looking for at Providence. We're not looking for people that, uh, that could, you know, stepping on the, the highest stage to get the most applause, but people that are brave enough to operate in God's calling on their life and in humble ways. And so that is what both of these uh, men possess. And also another thing that is beautiful, though, is, is we refuse to be a church where um, it is, we're like a, uh, we're a club for a niche, all right? Providence is not a niche church 
for young adults. In fact, young adults will not be discipled unless there's moms and dads in the house. And so what is happening right before us is a, is a genuine, a genuinely and purely multi-generational ministry right in front of our midst. And so we're trying to model what does it look like for an older generation to actually champion God's move in a younger generation, even if it looks different. And we're trying to model what it looks like for younger generations to see uh, people with more wisdom and more years and actually look to them and sit around tables with them and glean from them instead of just thinking that their ways are antiquated. All right? So we have to have moms and dads in the house. And guess what? God's sending them. Amen? You like that? I like that. So... um, why don't you guys just step up here? Can you just stretch out your hands for a moment? And we're going to, uh, we're just going to pray over these guys, okay? So just, uh, Heavenly Father, we just pray right now just that you just heap your best blessings on them. I pray, God, for both of these men, Chris and Keith, I pray that these will be their most fruitful, joyous, happy, hilarious, powerful, amazing, uh, did I say joyous, Jesus? Uh, joyous days, that, that you will use them and light them up and fire them up and that the kingdom here and around the globe will advance because of your hand on them, God. I pray that we would, we would humbly receive from them and I pray that, that uh, they would model what it is to walk as dads in a house, God, and that we would humbly walk with them. So we release them to do what you've called them to do and we thank you for them in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's, let's thank them one more time. All right. Love you too. All right. Good. <laughs> Don't you think Keith should carry an ax around too just for fun? You should, man. Just like on, on your shoulder in worship. Just, just wave it. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be amazing. So, well, guys, grab your, uh, your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5. Um, what I'm doing today is I'm, I'm kind of giving a part two to what we started last week. And last week, we, uh, I, I preached a message, did the best that I could, uh, but I think there's a lot more ground that needs to be covered. Last week, I just began a conversation about the central importance of walking in the love of God. Walking in the love of God, not just knowing about the love of God, not just acing it on a love of God exam, but actually walking in the love of God, bathing in the love of God, actually knowing that the Father wants to pour affections on his kids and actually receiving those. The, the, the word know God in the scriptures, in, in the book of Ephesians, is, is actually gnosko, and it is uh, an encounter kind of know. It's not study about it just in the book, but it's the exam leads you to go to where this thing happens and receive from it. That's, uh, that's the kind of knowing that God wants, and God wants us to know his love. It's super important, and I think that it's extremely important as we move into the future for providence. How many of you know that God has a hope and a future for you, and God has a hope and a future for this church? I really believe that, I, and I, I feel this in the spirit, I feel this in my bones, that the future of providence, after all the crazy of 2020 and all the, you know, all the stuff, we're, we're now, we're a team teenagers now, okay, we're 13 years old, all right, we're not just toddlers, God's bringing us to a whole new season that is going to be the most fun and spectacular that we could possibly imagine. In the weeks to come, um, I'm going to be speaking on where we are as a church, um, and I, like, state of the church. I'm just going to tell you, here's where we're at, this is what's going on here, it's good stuff, God's doing wonderful things, so here's our starting point, and then we're going to talk about vision and direction, here's where we're going. Let me tell you this, that as we gather to talk about where we're going as a church, we're not starting with strategy sessions, 
Okay, we're not sitting around tables and bringing ideas. Um, we are uh, strumming guitars and crying out to God in prayer and saying, Jesus, this is your church. What do you want us to do? That's the posture that we're taking here at this church. And Jesus is telling us what he wants us to do. I'm excited. And so I'm excited to share some of those things uh, with you. You did know that this is not my church, correct? This is not Keith's church or whoever's church. You didn't know that? Seven of you did, all right? I want to be very, very clear that, that uh, Jesus is the lead pastor of this church. And this is his church. I did not pay for this church with my blood. Jesus did. And so, so he has good things in his heart. And so as we're planning at Providence, um, I think what, what Jesus is, is speaking to us is that things are going to uh, be more wild and fun, but they're getting more focused, more simple, and more Jesus glorifying. And I'm incredibly excited about the days to come. Okay, now let me tell you though this morning what will cause us to miss the heart of Jesus in the future if we don't build right right now. It's building with the right foundation, correct? You ever tried to plant a tree that didn't grow roots? It falls over, right? If you want to grow, you know, an apple tree and it doesn't have good roots, you're not going to be picking many apples, right? So a church that is going to operate in the dreams of the fruit of God, it's going to be a, a light in a dark day, it's got to have a root system that goes deep into the heart of the Father. And so this morning I want to discuss a, a vital part of our root system that must exist if we're going to dream with God for his future for this church. And once again, I already told you this, but once again, it is the central importance of walking in, encountering, uh, experiencing the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. And we, we almost do those like, like they're creeds that we memorize, we memorize, but the so love of God has to wreck us forever right here and right here. And some of us know it here and some of us know it's here, but it's gotta be both, amen. So the essential importance of walking in the love of God. So I've gotta tell you this, that much of my life as a Christian, I was a pastor's kid, I grew up, I, know all, I knew all kinds of stuff about Jesus. For some reason, I was really inclined to Bible stories, and I was in the, the kid in Sunday school, I was, you know, pastor's kid, front row, the teacher would you know, be asking questions, I'd always be answering right, and they'd use me as an example to shame the other kids, like Nathan knows all the answers. So I, he really loves God, and I'm like, yes, I do. And I think that so much of my life was actually built on how much can I know about God? And it's not, it's only been about five years since I actually really just started walking into the ocean of the love of God for me and taking baths in it, okay? So actually believing that I am the beloved, that I am under, there is a waterfall, a spiritual one happening. It's the love of the Father and it's crashing on us. We, 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 don't, we don't serve uh, a taskmaster, we sit in the lap of a good father. So Ephesians chapter one, or Ephesians chapter five, I should say, verses one and two, I'm gonna dig in today, and then I'm going to just spread all kinds of great verses all over you at the end, all right? And so you don't have to turn there, it's just, they're, they're just gonna be there, so I would just say drink them uh, when that comes. But let's dig in for a moment. You good with that? Uh, Ephesians chapter five, verse one and two, here's what it says. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Whew, whew, I've missed that part. 
the imitators of God is the part I've heard the sermons on. Imitators of God is the part that, you know, seven years ago I would highlight and circle and underline in black, underline it in, in blue, and then accidentally show it to people, you know, as we're, and, and Bible studies, right? Um, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Guys, we could spend 2021 on these two verses. This is massive. But let's dig in just a little bit and let's talk about the imitators of God first. You see that? You should underline it. You should highlight it. You should show it to people, all right? But, but uh, let, let's talk about it for a moment. Imitators of God, let's just say this, that Jesus' followers are supposed to be increasingly like their father, aren't they? You know, they are. <laughs> when you get wrecked by the love of God and when you get filled with the spirit of God, Part of the outflow of that is you just increasingly become more like Jesus. And that is what the world needs. That is the light that we shine in a dark day. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And, and the light that shines from the church is, wow, that we are, we are looking and smelling and breathing and living and seeing more and more like Jesus in the darkness. So the darker the world gets, that's better for the church. All right? Uh, that is better for the church. We're, we're to carry his heart into the world. And, and, if, and if, if we are lights in the world, then the darker it gets, the brighter we'll shine. Come on. But here's the key component to being more Christ-like, because we just tossed that, that's, that's Christianese, all right? We gotta be more Christ-like and follow Christ's example and all these things, be imitators of God, all heard that. But the key component to becoming more like Jesus is, is listen to this, is listen, listen, is knowing that in Christ you are the beloved. That is the key to being imitators of God. No one believes me. I even gave you a five-second pause to say, keep going, preacher. But no one did, all right? So, so let, let me, let me let, let's dig into this more. Be imitators of God. Well, how? As servants who try hard? As people who get up and have to do their devotions and God says, good boy or good girl? No. Be imitators of God. How? As the beloved. That's how. That is how. Um, and, and this is the part that it just seems to be contradictory to the Bible, though the Bible says it with clarity that is unrivaled. <laughs> be imitators of God. What does that look like? So we insert as servants. We insert as, as you know, people that have strength to be courageous in a dark day. We, we, we go like old school, like weird worldly wartime. When the war is for our hearts, do you know that you're under the downpour of the Father's love or not? Okay, because what God is doing here is, is he's reminding us that, hey, I want you to become like me, but I want you to become like me as a result of knowing that you are loved and in my family. You're a beloved child in my house. And so as a part of my house, I am enabling you to, from an overflow of the love that I have for you, walk in my heart. Be imitators of God as beloved children. These are not nice words. These are inspired words. They're not nice words. They're not little tag words. They're not, it's not Christianese. It's, it's imitators of God. But what is going to fuel you to imitate me or to walk in my heart is that is love 
for me is going to, or my love to you is gonna overflow out and you're going to actually obey me out of love for me, not out of have-tos or trying hard. You're just gonna know that you're loved and you're gonna, we're gonna want each other. I'm excited about it. The key component to becoming more like Jesus is knowing that in Christ, you are the beloved. Knowing that in Christ, you are a loved child. Knowing that in, in Christ, you're not just a servant trying to earn a wage or be good enough. Hey, um, so yesterday right here, um, I led a funeral service for my father-in-law right here, okay? And uh, interestingly enough, the Saturday before that, we did uh, our first wedding service in this room. So the last two weeks, we do a wedding, and, and we marry someone, and then we bury someone, okay? My father-in-law knew Jesus wildly and well, and he did not become an angel. Angels are servants. My father-in-law was a son. He didn't become an angel, all right? He's not flitting and floating around heaven, rung, rung, rung to Jesus, all right? That's not even what angels do, all right? So that's not, do you know that angels actually want to be in the position that we are? They are the servants, we are the sons and daughters. They're like, wow, to be that. That's like when we bow down to angels in the Bible, they're like, get up, get up, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Like we wish we were in your place. You're, you're redeemed, sons and daughters adopted, adopted into the kingdom. You get to sit on your dad's lap and you're under the, the outbreak of his love. <laughs> wow. So this is, this is what changes the heart to go after the fathers. This is what it is. That as imitators of God, we are loved, beloved children. Try that on and see how your life changes. All right? Now listen, listen, so be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now let's talk about the love of God, and I'm going to get hot and heavy here for a moment, uh, not angry, super, super stoked. Can you tell I'm stoked? Anybody? Um, but but I, I got to get super, super real because here's one of the things, as we go here, I, I want to explain to you what the love of what the love of God is but also what the love of God is not okay so the love of, let's start first with what it is not I'm going to just say this uh, you know just here's what it is not the love of God is not God making us the center of the universe you hear this the love of God is not making us the center of all things okay you and I were designed not to be the center, but to enjoy he who is the center. When people in the Bible, let's take Isaiah and Isaiah chapter six, when they get a glimpse of God, they don't want his throne. They just want to be in his presence. Do you hear this? That when you get a glimpse of God, you fall on your face. You don't try to assume his throne. And so the love of God is not God saying, hey, I just want to be your servant and I want you to sit on the throne and, and we're all going to revolve around you and it's all going to be about you. It's all going to be. That's the kind of love that we teach in this world, that someone loves me when they make much of me, when they make me the center of their world. And it's interesting how, what, what, is, what is the divorce rate these days? You know, it's, it's probably, you know, 50-50, half of them make it and, you know, and that's just in the church. The church is worse statistically than the world. And as far as, that is because we don't understand what love is. Love is not putting someone in the center of your world. Love is enjoying that person for who they are. 
So the, the love of God is not God stepping off the throne and putting us there and saying, it's all about you, all right? The, God, the love of God is God sitting on the throne and him saying, come up here into this. Come up here into this and enjoy this forever. That's what I made you to do. Come up here. Enjoy the perfections of my heart for all of eternity. That's why I fashioned you and loved you and called you. We were created to know and worship and celebrate and enjoy he who is the center of all things, namely God. So the love of God or being the beloved does not put you in the center, it puts you in the action. It's, it's where God stays the center of it all and you get to enjoy him, you get to sit in his lap, he dotes on you and he hugs you and holds you close and you're like, everything is right if I've got this. Because that's why he made you, he wants you. He you know, has adopted us into his family as his kids. And it's a, it's a dysfunctional family when the kids become the center and moms and dads aren't, aren't like leading Right? So you're under the downpour of the Father's affections, but you're not needed. And not, and not needed, that is not a knock. That just means God doesn't want to use you. God wants to enjoy you. You hear this? God is like many of us, many of us feel loved when we're needed and then used, but that is not love. Love is when, is, is when we're enjoying one another. And God says, I just want you to know me and I want to know you and I want us to be in relationship together. I want you to get wrecked over it and I want you to make it your own. I want it to be very personal for you. I want to fill you up with so much love that you're an unstoppable force in a generation. So, his, so the love of God is you were wanted like children who were orphans but have now been adopted into the family and you have all the rights of the king's kids in his house. I know that love is a verb. And so many of us say, well, love is doing. But I would also say that love that does, that doesn't start with being, is some perverted version of love. Okay, you have to know who you are and then do from that place to be in sync with the heart of the Father in these days. You know, it's easier to understand a love that operates like wages, isn't it? So I work for God, and if I'm worthy, if I'm faithful, then he loves me-ish, right? But what's incredibly difficult to grasp is, listen, in Christ, I am under the downpour of the Father's love just because God is that good. Okay? Okay. Did you guys take sleeping pills or anything before you, like, I just have to ask. It's just, you know, because we are talking about the Father's love. And, and uh, you know what, though? I, I think that, that sometimes, you know, when you're being faced with something that the enemy doesn't want you to believe, and sometimes when the Holy Spirit is working, um, the first step isn't screaming about it. The first step is, like, God, do this here. And so if it's quiet in the house today because God's doing something here, I'll just take that all year. You know what I'm saying? All right. So, but now let's talk about our walking in love since we've talked about what, what love is or aspects of God's love that are walking in love. 
our walking in the love of God is inseparably tied to the gospel of Jesus, not human effort or ideas. So the world has all kinds of ideas on what love is, and we've talked about some of those things, but I'm telling you that the love that the Bible is talking about, the love of the Father, the kind of love that wrecks us and fills us and sends us out dangerous to darkness in this, in this wild generation that God sovereignly has us in, that kind of love is inseparably tied to the gospel of Jesus Christ, not your ability to try hard. You have, so verse two, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Listen, the sacrifice of Jesus is the supreme example of love, but that's just first part of it. There's never been a greater example of the love of God as the cross of Christ. Greatest example. But if you stop right there with the example, what happens um, is uh, you only set yourself up for failure because we don't possess the power in and of ourselves to walk in the example of Jesus. You hear all right, the sacrifice of Jesus is the supreme example of love, but it's also the only means by which this kind of love is walked in. So it is the example, but it's also the way. It shows you where you're going, but it's also the process. The cross, the cross of Jesus Christ is the example and everything else. If the love of Jesus at the cross is only our best example, we are set up for failure. If the love of Jesus at the cross is not only our best example, but also the only way in which love is accessed, we are set up for victory. Right? Hope you're getting that. You might want to listen to that again when you go home. That's something to meditate on. If the love of Jesus at the cross is not only our best example, but also the only way in which this love is accessed, we are postured for victory in a dark day. So the receiving the good news of Jesus gives us a new heart, not just a better example. You get your dad's heart. <laughs> you get your dad's heart when you receive Jesus. You don't just get a good example that God says, hey, I'm raising the stakes. Look how Jesus did it. I expect better from you. Not, you get your dad's heart that can be a container for his love and he wants to fill you and send you. That's, what, that's, that's how we do missions. That's how we do evangelism. That's how we do discipleship. That's how we do everything. And if we don't do it that way, then we're just like a, a knockoff moralistic club. Being in constant connection with, Jesus, with what Jesus did for us at the cross is let me say something, uh, you know, you know, one way is massively important. Great understatement. Massively important. Now let me give you an example. If you've been listening to me lately, you'll see that I have been talking a lot about the Moravians. All right? Have you heard that before? You hear me talking about the Moravians? A few of you? All right. <laughs> I see how you're listening. I, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm trying to give you the best, but I'm getting increasingly concerned. Uh, but uh, so I've been, I've been studying for a few months now the, the Moravians and that, that great prayer missions movement uh, that, that started in the 1700s. But the person at the, at the helm of the Moravian movement 
was uh, a man named Count Zinzendorf uh, who was born in 1700, died in 1760, and in that span of 60 years made a massive impact with his life. So the early 1700s, you guys like history and church history and stuff? I don't want to bore you or anything. I thought I saw someone drooling. Uh, but, uh, uh, but early 1700s Germany, after great persecution by the Catholic Church to Protestants. Let, let me hit a pause here. Do you know that historically, much of Christian persecution has been at the hands of Christians to Christians? You know that? You know that, that hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of Protestant Christians were burned at the stake by Catholics just for possessing a written Bible in their own language. Because back in the day, and that's not a knock, that's a historical fact. Okay, because the idea was that the Bible is so holy that only the most trained can understand it. And you've got to know Hebrew, German, Latin, and Swahili, all these languages. All right. But but these wild, fiery eyed Protestants were protesting that, among other things. And we're going, wait a second. The scriptures actually say that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. What if we actually read the Bibles in our own language so we could understand it and see what he does? And so they started printing the scriptures and dying for it by the droves. And so next time you say, I'm not a reader, <laughs> just remember that you can hold this Bible in your hands or a, 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 di a digital form of it, and it came with the blood of the martyrs. That was the price, okay? So 1700s Germany, the, the church is trying to wipe out the church, and, and hundreds of Protestants are running for their lives. And so they find themselves at Count Zinzendorf's estate. 300 of them formed a community of persecuted Protestants. And they all needed soul care. I guarantee that. They all needed to see Angie Sonleitner. All right? Because they've been hunted. All right? And they're hurt. And they're bleeding out, spiritually speaking. But Zinzendorf takes them in. He calls this community Hernhut. When I saw this, H-E-R-N, I'm like, man, that's kind of like Hearn Dunn. Maybe that's why I'm into this whole movement. Maybe, I, maybe I'm, a, I'm a Moravian. Maybe I am in the lineage of Zinzendorf himself. I, I don't know, but I got excited about that. Probably not, but maybe so. I belong to Jesus. That's enough for me. But what happens, though, is you take 300 broken people that all have different ideas about how to follow Jesus. The, 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 and it wasn't so much politics in this day. It wasn't so much leadership styles in this day. It was theological conflict in this day, but it is a very similar context in which we find ourselves where everybody's got a different idea on this. Everybody's got a different idea on, on how you vote. Everybody's got a different idea on how you lead. Everybody's got a different idea on different theological issues, and that's what Zinzendorf was dealing with, these 300 people. And everything he did fell short of bringing unity. Everything he did. So what he did is he gathered these people and he led them in communion. The, went back to the gospel and held up the bread, which some, it was, it symbolically represents the body of Jesus at the cross. And held up the wine, which symbolically represents the blood of Jesus at the cross and the new covenant. And he leads these squabbling people in communion. In other words, he takes them back to, they're not loving each other. I can't reason with these people. I don't know what to do. So he takes them to the gospel. 
He takes them to the body and the blood of Jesus. And what happens as Zinzendorf leads them in communion um, is a second Pentecost ensued. The Holy Spirit fell like he did in the early church. And they had the, the, the Moravians actually got a vision of the lamb who was slain. And they were all mesmerized by him. And what happened is, is Jesus began breaking through all the disagreements and started rallying a people around the gospel of Jesus. And that is why the, the, not only the, um, what do you call it, the, you know, their symbol became the lamb who was slain, like their logo, but also their war cry be, became to, to win for the lamb who was slain the rewards of his suffering. That became the battle cry. And what ensued is from a result of Jesus and his broken body and his outpoured blood, what ensued was the greatest missions movement and prayer movement the world has ever seen but is rarely heard about. A prayer went on in the, and from this time forth with the Moravians for 100 years, nonstop, 24-7. And they began to send out uh, missionaries that day to the uttermost parts of the earth, aflame with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many people uh, think that William Carey is the father of modern missions, but William Carey himself discovered that the Moravians were doing this 100 years before I started. The cross of Jesus is what everything hinges on. And if we can be a people that clings to the cross, gets filled with the love of God, there's nothing that will stop us. If we can let go, I, mean, I love what Caleb said, can we just drop some stuff? Because we're holding on to opinions like we should be holding on to the cross. Like we're, we're, uh, we're full of frustration and we have such little love. Listen, hold to the cross, be under the downflow of the love of the Father, and then be sent out into a dark world. Hello! Practically, let me, uh, let me run a few things by you. Now, let me just spit scriptures at you, rapid fire, okay? Practically, I want to encourage you to take communion, all right? And you say, well, I'm not, I'm not uh, an ordained minister. Well, but you, if you're a Christian, you're a priest in your home. And I, I want to encourage you to have communion with your family. God put that on my heart this morning. Um, we want to have communion more here, but the, if we do it too little here, don't get angry, just go do it at home. All right? So the, the, you're a priest in your house in the kingdom, and so take communion a whole lot, remembering the body and blood of Jesus. Um, do you know that, um, that your life of love is your song in the kingdom? Did you know that? Your life of love is your song in the kingdom. So I would, I would say sing your song. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Don't run past that. Compassion kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Here's, here's the gospel. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. In other words, the song is love. Everything else, the kindness and all of these other things is an expression, expression of the beloved being loved. Sing your song. Whenever, anytime you forgive somebody, anytime you bear with somebody that's not where you're at, that's you singing your song. 
How about this one? Go low. You're in a hard situation, go low. And when you get as low as you can, go lower. If the church did that, woo! Woo! Well, well, the church is, we're always like, I take the high position. What's that? <laughs> no, 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 no. Christians, you go low. And then lower still. This, this is how Romans 12 Verses 14 to 21, I, I won't read all of it, but let me give you a taste. How about it? You want a taste? You, you want to you know, lick this ice cream? Anybody? I don't know where that came from, but it's, it's that good. All right. Uh, bless those who persecute you. You go low. Bless and do not curse them. Lower still. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. What if they're rejoicing over something that I don't like? Rejoice. It, do, it doesn't say rejoice with those that you share the same opinion about something with. It just says if you see join somebody, join the party. If you see somebody crying, you, you, you join the weeping. That's, that's, it's, it's as simple as this, folks. Uh, verse 16, live in harmony with one another. It's music. It's kingdom music. This is love on displays. It's kingdom music. It's symphony. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Return kingdom honor to your bride, Lord. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, beloved. But like, listen, this is not about you. This is about the king. And the song that you play and the posture that you take is you go low and you love from there. And you get down and you love. How about this one? Practice hospitality. Romans 15, 1 through 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. The church is actually known in the world for tearing down. And the church is actually known in the church for tearing down. But the church, the call on the church is build others up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, the scriptures are to encourage us. <laughs> we might have hope. They're supposed to give us hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. Hey, can I tell you this? That in these days, one of the most Christ-exalting, loving things that you can do is have a heart of hospitality towards other people and just welcome them into your lives. What do you need? I'm here. You need, what do you need? You need a meal? What do you need? I'm here. You can be at home here, take your shoes off, stay a while, we're family. You can do this. How about Jesus said this, and I love this one. Jesus actually told us to pray for our enemies. You know that? Yeah, I, I wanna encourage you. You take all the people that frustrate you on Facebook or wherever they frustrate you, and you just take all those people and all those frustrating posts on Facebook turn into your, your, uh, your prayer list. And, and you don't just pray for them and you, you don't say, Jesus, you know when you talked about the burning coals? Do it, do it, burning. Ah, oh, get him, Jesus, get him. Like, I'm not gonna get him, you're gonna get him. I'm gonna pray you get him, Jesus. Just hit him, get him. If you have arrows, sling him. Hit him with the sword, you know? That's how we like to pray. But Jesus said, actually pray 
before your enemies. Matthew chapter five, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, so I wanna challenge you to do something uh, really wild, beloved, is I want you to challenge you to pray that your enemies get blessed more than you do. I want, you to, I want you to pray over their, their finances. I want you to pray over their families. I want you to pray over their marriages. I want, I want you to pray that their, their kids get the scholarship over yours. I want you to pray, putting them ahead of you. Go low, pray them up. Every blessing that heaven has, pray on them. See what happens. See what happens. How about this? Seek advice if you need advice in 2021. Seek advice from those who are most in touch with God's love, not most angry. Not, not, not wielding an opinion like a sword the most. Not. Why do you believe that? Listen, don't let that get on you and in you. It will, all right? Seek advice from those who are most in touch with God's love. <laughs> That's where wisdom comes from. How about this? Battle your fears with love, not courage. Courage actually comes from a place of love. It's an, it's an overflow of people who are loved and know who they are. So you battle your fears with love, not courage. First John says that there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. So many of you, your fears and your worries and your anxieties and all these things and your future and all this stuff, like you're, you're trying to be courageous in the midst of it, but God wants you to be full of his love and that'll drive out fear. How about this, last one, decide that your ministry to the body and your outreach to the world will be an overflow of the Father's love in Christ. Paul says that in 2 Corinthians 5, the love of Christ controls us, or some, uh, some versions translate it, the love of Christ compels us. I am going to be compelled by the heart of my Father. I'm not gonna strive under pressure. I'm not gonna see, well, yeah, they're all, I should be doing more. I should, I should be giving more. I should be, hey, let me tell you this. Our, our, uh, our, uh, our giving, you know, I, I, maybe it's because we put it on the wall now and we don't pass a bucket, but it's been way down, way down, all right? I'm just telling you that because we're family. And I would just say, hey, this, this is not shame. I'm just letting you know. I, I think a church that is in touch with the love of Christ, um, that when you give from that place, somehow pennies turns into dollars in the kingdom, you know? And so I would say, I'm not saying that, that I, I, I want you to say, hey God, how do I love on my church in these days? How do, I, how do I overflow in this? Hey God, my neighbor across the street whose dog barks all night. <laughs> I, I'm not, that's probably me in my neighborhood, all right? Uh, but uh, how do I just love them? I just wanna love. I want your love to send me to my neighbors and the nations. How do I do this? God, I'm not looking for a position at Providence to make me feel loved and seen and accepted. I want to step on to into any position just out of love, already knowing who I am, and that's the beloved. I could keep going, but uh, I just, I wanted to follow up last week's message with this. Guys, I want you to know this, and I want you to live from this place, that you are loved, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved, and you are loved, and it never stops, and it never stops, and God is that good. Okay, how many of us want to uh, receive this? If, if you do, if you do, how about we just kind of put our arms out here and then some of us are gonna need prayer. And so we're gonna have people, a prayer ministry up front here. And I just want you to, uh, out, of, out of love, not out of courage, out of love, just come be loved on, okay? But for, for, uh, for all of us here, God, we just, we want you, Holy Spirit, to pull, to pour 
the Father's love into our hearts again. And maybe we've uh, felt loved or been loved or operated from that place in the past. But God, we want this to be a new day where we receive your love and where you fill us so much that we, all we do is overflow your heart everywhere we go. I pray that lies will be broken down. I pray, that, um, I pray that stress and striving and trying really hard will be eradicated and replaced by being so loved that I walk in my new identity in Christ. And we just are who you've said we are in you, God. So we receive this today. We want this today. We bless this today in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.